Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Sarah, who takes us through her two pregnancy and birth stories. Sarah shares with us her first vaginal birth and then actually focuses in more on her second birth, which was a breech vaginal delivery. Sarah takes us through finding out that her baby was in a breech position and not likely to move and making the decision to go with a vaginal birth instead of the recommended C-section. And she takes us through how they made that decision, what sort of measures were put in place and how she worked with her midwife and obstetrician team to get through that birth. It's a really interesting episode and I'm super grateful to Sarah for coming on and sharing her stories with us. So I hope you enjoy the episode and let's jump into it. Hi Sarah, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, no problem. Glad to be here. Awesome. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Sure. So um, there's me, my partner Chang, um, and we've got our two beautiful boys, uh, Nixon, who's two and a half, and Finn, who's almost eight months, and our eight-year-old Australian Terrier, Bo. <laughs> awesome. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys the first time around? Um, so it wasn't wasn't too bad. Um, I had the Jadel sticks in my arm, which were due to come out anyway. Um, So I had those out in September of 2017 because we had decided it was, we'd been together long enough and wanted to start trying for a baby. So got those out and they tell you that you can kind of start trying straight away. Um, But I wasn't really quite sure what was going to happen. So it got to about January... Um, when I sort of, I was not a little bit overweight, but I probably had an extra five kgs or so. Um, and my concern was that, um, also, and also I was 30 as well. So my other concern was, you know, you've got to be trying a certain amount of time before you go to the doctor. So I wanted to make sure that, um, I'd sort of tried everything before I went to the doctor in case we did have fertility issues. Um, so I actually tried a low-carb, high-fat diet, and I lost the extra weight, and boom, I was pregnant um, straight away. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, it was that's how I kind of knew I might be pregnant, because all of a sudden, I was like hardcore craving carbohydrates, and prior to being, <laughs> b- yeah. before being pregnant, I could take, I could say no, like I didn't have any issues at all, yeah. and all of a sudden, I just, I had to eat carbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awesome. And how were you feeling sort of when you found out? Did you have many other symptoms apart from the cravings initially? Um, I just sort of, so I waited until I was late and of course um, I came up pregnant. 
I have horrendous first trimesters. <laughs> it is just the worst, mm. um, which, I mean, lots of women can relate to. I was vomiting. I All I wanted was beige, um, lollies. I was tired. Um, I was teaching full-time at, at, at that time, and I was a team leader in a studio of um, 70 kids, and it was just horrendous. I found out just towards the end of term one, and I was so glad it was school holidays because I just had no clue mm. how I was going to get through. Um, and then after the school holidays, I literally took it a block at a time. I would like, okay, got to get to school. Okay, I've done the first block. <laughs> okay. And, like, I had to eat in class. I had to leave class to go and be sick. It was <laughs> – that first trimester was just awful. So awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and how were you sort of feeling once you got past those first 12 weeks? Did you have many other pregnancy symptoms? Um, no, so it took up to about 16 weeks for me and my first pregnancy to kind of get yeah. back to normal, 16, 18 weeks. Um, got my energy back and it was actually a really easy pregnancy, well, an easy pregnancy um, and I didn't have any issues actually. I was just um, overworked. I just hated working, <laughs> which I think most women do when they're pregnant. <laughs> Yeah, so nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was really fortunate that, like, I didn't have um, any health issues. Um, so, yeah, it was Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And did you do the sort of standard testing that's offered here in New Zealand throughout your pregnancy? Did you find out the sex and everything like that? Yeah, so we, um, we did all, we did everything. Um, yeah. Uh, so we found out, we did a little gender reveal. Um, where we actually got them to write it on an envelope and then we got it put in a cake and we had like a little family thing. Um, we did all the measurements for Down syndrome, all the bloods. Um, I did the gestational diabetes and pretty much, it was, yeah, pretty much everything the midwife says to do that you do, I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. And did you go to antenatal yeah. classes or anything like that? Yes, we did. Um, initially, I hated them. I absolutely hated going. Um, <laughs> we had been advised not to do the hospital ones. Um, so we live on the North Shore of Auckland. So we did um, Parent Centre in Birkenhead on a Thursday night from 7 till 9, which when you are working full-time and pregnant, it is the last place in the world you want to be. Um, yeah. And like, I was so excited to be pregnant, and I'd always wanted to be a mum. But I really, I was just like, you know what, I'm, I'm working, I'm busy. And it was just all so overwhelming, like from, you know, the, the prams and the car seats and everything. I just didn't want to know until I'd finished working and gone on maternity leave. I just didn't, wasn't interested. Um, and the antenatal was a really good antenatal class. And that's how I got all my information because my head was in the sand. <laughs> I just I had to focus on kind of getting through work if that makes sense yeah um yeah but as it's as it's turned out my antenatal group has been an amazing support and two and a half years on our coffee group's still going strong with hmm. 10 out of our 13 so yeah. even if you hated it at the time I still it's so still so worth doing yeah yeah for sure. Awesome. And did you have much of a birth plan or sort of thoughts on how you might want your birth to go in this first pregnancy? So initially I was very much like, my body will know what to do. 
I'll go into labour and I'll have a baby. So I didn't, my best friend is actually a midwife. Um, so I didn't actually believe in birth plans myself. Um, my midwife was good. We'd sort of talked about um, maybe using the birthing pools. Um, I didn't know about hypnobirthing or anything like that. I sort of, I was like, I just, I just the bare minimum basics. Yeah. Um, but it was um, with the, with my midwife, she actually went to Bali and got stuck there. I don't know if you remember there were the volcanoes erupting and you couldn't fly out of Bali. Yeah, and so she got stuck there and um, I had her, and so I went for my 36th week where you take the partner and you meet and you kind of, oh yeah, we're getting ready and you sort of, oh it'll be alright, we're just going to go along with however it goes and that's what we'll do. Um, and she wasn't well and then the following week she had a, was like the locum, the fill-in. And I thought, oh, she's taking some time off. That's really good. She's not well. Because I, you know, being a teacher and midwife, so I had a lot of empathy for her. No, it turned out she'd gone to Bali and she didn't even tell me. Um, the only reason I knew she'd gone to Bali was because she texted me and asked me to change my appointment with the locum um, the following week. So we hadn't even really talked about, like, when was the right time to go to the hospital, um, here's my part, this is my partner, like we hadn't talked about any of that stuff and yeah. so that actually had a really strong impact on my birth um, because it just, we weren't, we weren't organised at all, there were so yeah. many things. Um, yeah, so yeah, it really affected that. Yeah, yeah, and how were you sort of feeling in those final few weeks of pregnancy before you went into labour? I was feeling good. My partner was um, making me go walking, and mm -hmm. I say making. I absolutely hated it, but I was like, it's the right thing to do, so I'll do it. Um, and so I got my energy back to kind of walk a couple of times a week. I was kind of excited about labour a little bit because I was like, oh, I wonder what this is going to feel like because um, I wasn't really sure, but I didn't really think about it too much. I just – so I – was working, I was working part time, and I was still. I was I think I was only on maternity leave for something like proper maternity leave for something like ten days before he came because I was early. Uh, yeah, um, went to the went to the midwife, and again it was her locum, her fill-in, and she said, "Oh, you're ready to go." That was on the Wednesday. She said, "Oh, you need to make sure your bag's packed. He's in position. You're ready to go." And so I was kind of like, "Ah, cool. This is exciting." Um, but I still wasn't really thinking about like what that actually meant. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just, you don't. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And do you want to take us through your labor starting? Was it spontaneous and how far along were you? Yeah. So um, it was a spontaneous labor. I was 38 and five, 38 weeks and five days. Um, it was on Saturday, the 1st of December is when labor actually started. We went to go and get our Christmas tree. And I just felt awful the whole day. Um, it was my partner's birthday. We had we had lunch with the family, and I just felt awful all day. And that night, I was just lying on the floor, and I said to him, "We have to go for a walk." And he looked at me like, "What? You want to go for a walk?" And I was like, "Yeah, we have to go for a walk." And we do, and we're doing the big loop. We're going. And he was just kind of like, "What? It's gotten onto you." Uh, so that was fine. So we went, went for a walk. Um, 
was lying on the floor and I was just like, oh, and I was miserable. I was hot. I was uncomfortable. It was a really hot summer a couple of years ago. And I was just like, ugh. Anyway, I was in bed. Must have been about 10 o'clock looking at my belly. And I went, oh, my belly went soft. That's weird. And so I kind of pushed on it and I was like, hmm, maybe it's going to happen soon. And he was just kind of like, haha, yeah, cool, okay. Mm -hmm. It was his birthday the next day. And <laughs> literally at midnight, I got up to go to the toilet because I sort of was feeling twinges. And um, it was like my period was starting. And I was like, oh, my God, this could be it. And I was up to the toilet every half an hour, yeah. 40 minutes. I was tossing and turning. And by about 3 a.m., because I was like, because they tell you, you know, go to sleep, don't, don't <laughs> stay up, don't. You know, labor can, you know, like the first stages of labor can last forever. So go to sleep, get your rest. But of course, I was too excited. Um, and I was tossing and turning. And about three o'clock, he finally was like, what are you doing? And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm in labor. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah. Um, so about three thirty, four o'clock, they started ramping up. And, the, and um, my sister lives in Germany. And I was talking to her. She messaged me and I replied straight back. And she's like, oh, you're not in labor, are you? And I texted her back and said, yes, I am. And she messaged, and so we video called. And I was having contractions, and she's going, oh, you're quite, they're quite strong, aren't they? Oh, maybe you do need to go to the hospital. Um, so about 5 o'clock, I called the partner of my midwife, who I'd met once in passing. Um, who I had no, I, I'd never met this woman. I had no clue. And so I rang her, and she's like, okay, well, when things really get going, meet me at the hospital. So this is at 5 a.m. So about 7 o'clock, I'm like, okay. So we go to the hospital. Wasn't even dilated. And she was like, no, we're going to give you some drugs. Go home and go to sleep. But the contractions are really strong. And so it just, I was so disappointed to be sent home. So I went home and tried to get some rest. And about 1 o'clock, I rang her again. And she's like, okay, well, if, if you're really ramped up, come on in. But again, she wasn't clear with her language. Like, I need to be really specific. Like, give me exact times between contractions. Or, like, it just wasn't very clear. So we went back sure, to the hospital. Yeah. And again, she's like, oh, you're like, she's like, yeah, you, you're dilated, like, three centimeters. She's like, you're hardly dilated. Oh. And they wanted to send me home. And I was like, but I'm really, like, this is really uncomfortable. And so it was a quiet Sunday afternoon. And they were like, oh, well. We'll keep you in anyway. She said to me, "Oh, your baby's actually posterior. So, for those, if you don't know what that means, that means people listen to it. Um, your baby's facing upwards, stargazing. So he had actually rolled over. So when my belly went soft the night before, that was him rolling over, little monkey. Mm. Um, and so they said, "Oh, we're going to give you pethidine." Um, and we'll try and get you to relax and see if that will help the baby naturally turn. And she also said, we're going to give you an enema because it seems like you're quite blocked up. So they sent partner home and they gave me the pethidine and that was lovely. And then they gave me the enema. And all of a sudden, once I'd had the enema, the contractions were so much easier. And I understood why they meant to stay at home for the first part. because. But then they had given me pethidine too. But I think I was constipated because I actually suffered really bad constipation. Um, and so I think because I was so badly constipated, it made my contractions a lot worse than what they needed yeah, to be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that had quite a big bearing. 
So I slept and hung out in the, hosp in the hospital room about 6 o'clock. Got up, um, the midwife came in and she's like, oh, you know, you should probably go get up and go for a walk. And, you know, it could be a while yet because I was still nowhere near. It wasn't dilating, nothing was happening. Anyway, so that was fine. So she came in. Next thing, went to the toilet. My water's broke. Um, baby still hadn't turned. So they called my, the midwife back at that point. Um, and they said, right, we're going to get an epidural into you as soon as possible so that we can um, try and turn the baby um, using Syntocin. Um, so that was, I think the epidural was probably the worst experience of that labour. Um, trying to stay still when they're putting in the line is just the worst. Trying to like grip it so that you're like getting through those strong contractions but staying still is like so hard. So they did that and then once they put um, the epidural in, it was kind of plain sailing. So it was 7 o'clock Sunday night. They started the Syntocin about 9 and he just wasn't moving and I just wasn't dilating. Um, yeah. So I think the midwife was with me and she kept kind of coming in and out and that was fine. And we sort of talked, didn't really, sort of talked about what was going on and that was fine. And um, anyway, they said at, got, he had to come in, the obstetrician had to come in at one, I think. So they said to me, there's an obstetrician on who can turn babies. Um, he's amazing and he can actually manually turn, turn them. Um, I can't remember why, but whatever time he came in at one o'clock and he tried to manually turn the baby and he did. So he was able to manually turn him so that I didn't have to have a caesarean. And the midwife said to yeah. me, I was really lucky that I had this registrar on because any other registrar would have just whipped me down for a caesarean. So one o'clock, they, tur they turned him. And by that stage, I was kind of like, oh, well, why don't we just do a caesarean? It will be way quicker. Let's just do that. But when the midwife said to me, no, the fat lady hasn't sung yet. Like, this guy could turn your baby. Like, it'll be okay. Don't worry. I was like, oh, okay. So at 1 o'clock, they turned him. That was fine. Um, didn't really feel it because of the epidural. But I'm told it's a really painful thing. Mm -hmm. But I just felt pressure. Then about, he was supposed to come back at 3 a.m. But there was another woman who had the same issue as me she'd had a posterior baby but her baby had turned back around so instead of checking me at 3 a.m he had to take her for a cesarean so my midwife checked me and said look your cervix is swollen up like a donut there's no way I don't know how we're going to get a baby through there so <laughs> 3 a.m I was hot I was exhausted mm. I was starting to get a temperature um it was just I was exhausted because this had been going since 5 o'clock the night before. This is Sunday night now, Sunday mid. This is 1 a.m. Monday morning. And I was just sort of getting over it. And I was like, well, why didn't why didn't we just do a caesarean at 1 o'clock? Like, why did we have to wait? Anyway, so she said, look, he's going to come in. So just so I just lay there and I just did. By that time, I decided I didn't want the caesarean. I was so annoyed that we, I'd gone through all this to then have to be told I had to have one anyway. So for that hour, I just imagined um, my principal from my school was leaving that year and I wanted to go to her farewell. And I imagined myself with the baby wrapped and being there. But if I had a caesarean, 
I couldn't go to that event in Farewell the Principal. So for that hour, I just kept picturing myself at this event a couple of weeks in a couple of weeks' time. I just kept telling myself everything was going to be okay, it was going to be fine, we didn't need to worry. Um, and I really, that was probably one of the hardest hours of my life. Um, and trying to calm, because baby's heart rate was starting to climb as well. Yeah. So I really had to kind of, yeah. So at 4am she checked me. Or did he come in? No, he came in and checked me. And he's like, no, you're good to go. And I was kind of like, what does that mean? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, we'll push. We'll, we'll get you to push. And I was like, what? Um, and she's like, oh, well, should we top up the epidural? And he's like, no, no, no time for that. He's like, I'm doing another cesarean. Um, so at 20 past four on Monday, the 4th of December, I started pushing. And in half an hour, um, at no, so at 5.02 a.m. on Monday the 4th of December, Nixon Barry Ricard's Lou was born, um, which was probably the most amazing moment of my life. It was incredible. I have yeah. to say, though, pushing with an epidural is not fun either because um, you, can't, you can't work with your body. Mm. Luckily, it started to wear off as I was pushing, and so it was able to kind of happen. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty amazing I was pretty stoked yeah um yeah it was an exciting moment yeah awesome yeah. and did they pop him up onto your chest from there yeah so every so it was all straightforward oh I did have an episiotomy actually yeah they did do that um which was pretty awful um but because of the epidural I didn't really feel it but I heard the snip and that was the worst mm-hmm. thing I don't know if that's too much information <laughs> um <laughs> but um yeah so they popped him onto my chest he started feeding um, we did have to wait for the epidural to completely wear off. Yeah. Um, and I had the catheter. So they popped him on me. He had a feed, had a feed. And then once they took out the catheter and everything, I went to the to- uh, went to the bathroom and they cleaned me up and got all sorted. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And was he, what size was he when he was born? Do you remember? Um, yep. He was bang on seven pounds. He was um, three kilos exactly. He was bang on bang on seven pounds which is bang on average yeah yeah awesome and it was yeah it was all good yeah cool and yeah. how long did you end up spending in the hospital um so because he was born at 5 a.m <laughs> they got us ready to be discharged <laughs> pretty early on um they asked me so we live um in hillcrest on the shore and so if you live on the north shore you have to go up to walkworth which is like another hour plus away but we, because of where my husband, my partner works and where we live, we wanted to go to birth care in Parnell. So um, they, so I um, was a private client there through our health insurance. And so we, um, they couldn't get us in until about one o'clock in the afternoon. So they kicked us out of the birthing suite and they admitted um, Nixon and I into the, into the wards where we stayed for the morning and then... Um, we went to birth care in the afternoon, and I think I was here three nights. Um, and I'm, it was, I'm so glad we did it. That was just the best. Yeah. So the support was just incredible. Yeah, awesome. And did they help you with latching and everything like that while you were there? Yeah. So I mean, I did have a, mid- a different midwife every shift. Mm. Um, but when it was my last night, I said to the midwife, "This is my last night. I really want to get this sorted." And the midwife who was on just and I was like I really want you to help me nail this 
And so she was so good. Like she would help me latch and then she'd be like, okay, now you do it. And then, okay, I'm going to come back and you're going to do the whole feed yourself next time. And like she really, yeah, really prepared me. And um, breastfeeding initially was not too bad for me. I mean, obviously my nipples were so sore. Um, but I have, my sister from Germany sent me the Silverette nipple cups. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you've heard of those. Yeah, um, and so they they were just amazing to, like, catch the milk, which the milk kind of healed, healed my nipples, so I didn't need to use any nipple creams or anything like that. Um, the cups just did everything. Yeah, awesome, cool. And how did you feel when you got home, sort of adjusting to life with a newborn, and as a mum, how did you find the experience? So the first day I got home, it was my mother's birthday, and I and we were supposed to go to Ostro, which is a nice restaurant in Auckland for dinner and I stupidly came home and started doing stuff and just overdid it completely um and my because it was so close to Christmas my partner actually never took any time off work um he's in sales so he kind of would pop home and here and there um so yeah I just I don't know you just kind of take it in your stride with your first baby yeah um Nixon however was not he needed to be mummy wrapped like super super tight so he after the first couple of days he just would not sleep we had so I was up with him and he cluster fed I'd be up from like 12 till 4 in the morning um and he just would not sleep so those first few weeks were really rough because like we'd taken up driving at 3am to get him to sleep in the capsule um and then we figured out that he needed to be like tight tight wrapped Thank goodness for miracle wraps. Um, I mean, it was it was lovely. He was it was a, it was a lovely time, but it was also a really hard time looking back on it. Um, and then once we figured out the swaddle um, and what he and we sort of got into the routine of the hot bath, having a hot bath at night, having a feed, wrapping yeah. him up tight, um, and then he started sleeping at night time. Well, <laughs> as much as newborns do, but it started to make life um, a lot easier for us. Um, and we sort of started to get into the rhythm of it. Um, and he was a really chilled baby. He was a happy baby. Um, not in terms, no, contented is probably a better word I would use actually for Nixon. He just kind of did his thing and he was happy to be on the floor. Or, But he um, he was a hungry baby. So he ended up getting, we started mix feeding him from six weeks old. Um, and yeah, that was quite quite the journey with um because I was determined that he didn't need to be mixed-fed, and I didn't like that he was mixed-fed. Um, the doctor at his six-week checkup actually asked me if I wanted to go on Domperidon. Um, and looking back on it, that's actually where it started with me, that I wasn't happy that he was having formula. And so that after that, I really started to um, fight the formula. But it gave me freedom as a first-time mum. It meant that his dad could feed him. I could... Um, like sleep in in the mornings or have a nap, like feed him and then go back to bed and have a bit more of a sleep. And it actually really helped me adjust to motherhood. But at the time I didn't realize yeah. that. Um, and it meant that I could um, like leave him with my mum or um, I was doing mass tutoring after, um, after school to get a little bit of cash for myself. So I could leave him for a couple of hours. Um, whereas if he had been exclusively breastfed, I couldn't have done those things. Um, but I battled, battled it out till he was about about 10 months, and then I just gave in, but he still had the boob till 12 months, um, 
so yeah that was a real journey gosh breastfeeding is not an easy thing some women are lucky they can yeah. they can you know they just put their baby on and their boobs just go for it um my mine were quite sensitive to different factors so I had to really work at it um but I think it made me yeah a better mum for it because boy did I learn about perseverance and resilience doing <laughs> breastfeeding yeah yeah for sure awesome and what was your physical recovery like from this birth uh, so it wasn't too bad because I'd had the episiotomy, I had stitches. Um, so rather than letting me tear, they cut me. Um, I don't know how long it took for the stitches to go. I never looked, I couldn't, I just couldn't face looking. Um, mm-hmm. but I never really got back into exercise or walking or anything super quick. Um, so I think it was pretty, I th- I'd stopped bleeding by six weeks. I remember that. Um, it was quite straightforward, like I didn't have any issues with the stitches or anything like that. Um, I mean, obviously just the normal bleeding and stuff, but yeah, I, I felt like I recovered okay, other yeah. than the stitches. Awesome. Yeah. And did you get your period back um, while you were still breastfeeding or what was that like? Um, no, so I never got um, my period back until I completely finished um, breastfeeding. Yeah. So on Nixon's... Uh, first birthday that was when he had his last boob and about a week later I had a period um I had taken I had taken at about 12 weeks about three or four months I did start the combined pill um but I decided to go off that again because we did want another baby and so I just kind of thought eh I'm not gonna stress out too much because I thought the pill might be slightly affecting my um, milk supply so um yeah, so I didn't, period didn't return until I finished breastfeeding a year later. Yeah, awesome. And were you sort of consciously trying for your second baby? Do you want to take us through that? Yeah, so no, we went, um, We knew that we wanted to have quite a small age gap. We didn't have any ideas about what that meant. Um, but kind of from about Nixon being about six months old, like I kind of, I'd gotten back into the groove of it. I was relieving. I started, I'd picked up a uni paper, I was studying. So I kind of felt like I had motherhood sort of a bit figured out and we were in a groove. So I wasn't really too worried if I got pregnant from then onwards. Um, turned out I conceived about um, a week, two weeks after um, I had my first period. <laughs> it would have been my first ovulation cycle um, that I actually that I actually felt pregnant. Um I wasn't surprised, but my partner was. I don't think he quite realised that it could happen so soon. So it meant <laughs> that, our, that our age gap would only be 19 months. So we had two under two for a while. We were, we were, yeah. yeah. Yeah, awesome. And how were you feeling this pregnancy? Was it much different to your first? Um, it was quite funny because, again, um, so I didn't go back to a low-carb, high-fat diet. I just kind of went back to, um, I would call it a low um, low carb healthy fat diet but I wouldn't eat anything processed um, so just like processed carbs again I wasn't really eating those um, but I wasn't super strict so um, I didn't I found out I was pregnant in January uh, end of January was when I found out I was pregnant and again we'd just sort of figured out Nixon sleeping we just had the um, sleep consultant because we were having um, wakes at 4 or 5 a.m. and it was just a nightmare and so we'd just gotten to sleep under control and in the mornings when he napped I needed to go back to sleep 
and I'd just started having a full night's sleep. So I didn't, it didn't make sense to me that I was needing to nap again at 9am. Um, and then I wanted Marmite toast. And I was like, huh, this was about the start of the week. It was about a Monday. And I was like, huh. And then on that happened a couple of times during the week. And then on the Friday, met the girls at Coffee Group. And again, at the cafe we went to, I could always turn down the kind of the brioches and the carby stuff. Didn't, didn't even phase me. The donut slices wasn't interested. That morning, I had to have a brioche, a brioche <laughs> thing. And I was at Coffee Group and I was like, I think I'm pregnant. I was like, I think I'm pregnant. And I went home and took a test. Fair enough, I was pregnant. And then um, wasn't too bad, kind of that week, two weeks. And so because um, there was a bit of a midwife, well, there is a bit of a midwife shortage on, I got on to getting a new midwife straight away. There was no way I was having the same midwife as last time. Mm. It was just a disaster. Um, so I went with a recommendation from a friend um, as to a to a a group of midwives practice and I ended up talking to kind of the lead midwife and I was like oh well you she's like who do you want I was like um well are you can you are you free kind of thing and she was like sure and so we worked out that I was due um mid-October um and so the first couple of weeks I was sort of like oh yeah back on the carbs and I but it just wasn't quite as bad as when my first pregnancy I think because I started napping when Nixon went down for his naps, but I would nap at nine o'clock too. So that helped. Yeah. Um, being at home, I think I didn't have that same stress. I didn't have that same pressure. I could um, eat when I wanted to. I always made sure I had breakfast, a proper breakfast. Um, and so I still felt crap. I felt awful. I was still tired all the time. I still felt miserable. But it was I didn't vomit at all with number two. Um, and I generally felt a little bit better about life and about pregnancy and I didn't have that same kind of <gasps> and with my first child I didn't um I, I, I didn't maintain exercise I just that went out the window straight away and I would go to the gym I'd go to body balance and I wouldn't be able to do it and I remember just crying and I should have been able to and so I was really um I really wanted to stay fit during my second pregnancy I was really motivated I I was keen to try and keep going to the gym and doing body balance all the way through my pregnancy was one of my goals. Um, and I also was like, I have to walk every day. And so um, I think that possibly helped me. And I felt more like I was taking care of myself and my baby. Yeah. Because um, I would nap in the morning when Nixon had his nap. And then I would nap in the afternoon again when he went down for his afternoon nap. So just being able yeah. to kind of take care of myself made that first trimester easier, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And what about the rest of your pregnancy? How were you feeling then? Um, so I had a very different midwife the second time around. The first time I spoke to her, I told her about my labour and I said that I had an epidural. And she said, well, you know, there are other ways we can manage your pain. And I got the vibe that an epidural was not her deal. And initially I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I've picked the right midwife because I'd only given birth with an epidural, so I didn't know any differently. Um, and she seemed to be quite like, uh, quite natural with her approach. And I was yeah. like, I don't know if that's me because with Nixon's labour, 
I'd had every drug I'd had <laughs> I had every drug under the sun that you can just about have without having a cesarean. Um, that was probably the only thing I didn't have, and so I was quite nervous and I wasn't sure about my midwife. Yeah, and so how did you go? Sort of getting past that did you were you able to talk with her about your birth preferences and how did things sort of progress throughout that pregnancy so it was um it was quite good because she she was she's actually a really good midwife she's actually incredible so I felt at ease with her quite early on and I realized that it was going to be okay the first thing that put my mind at ease about her was they um come to your house when you go to labor they don't let you go to hospital. They say, we're not sending you to do the walk of shame. If you're going in labour, you call us, we're going to come around and we're going to check you out first. So that really put me at ease about using her and it made me feel like I was really cared for and that um, I was going to be okay with my labour. She also suggested, she didn't tell me to, she just sort of suggested, oh, you know, maybe read the hypnobirthing book. Like, that could be a good thing for you to do. Like, no big deal. So um, I got myself hold a copy of the hypnobirthing book and that just kind of changed my whole perspective on childbirth, pregnancy, everything. Um, and I had a much more holistic view to the whole process. It kind of really changed my head um, and it made me realise how in my first pregnancy I just wasn't engaged at all. Um, I was going to do the hypnobirthing course but my partner wasn't keen. Um, he wasn't keen on the amount of time that it was going to take up. Um, he also wasn't keen on the, I never even told him, got telling him about the cost, but he just wasn't keen. He was like, you've done this before. Like, you're a really strong person. You can do it. Like, don't even worry about it. Um, and so it just sort of never worked out. And so in the end, it was fine. We didn't need to do the course. But yeah, I had a much different perspective and my head was very much focused on, um, doing staying staying calm staying fit and meditating a lot more and then um, we sort of talked about where did I want to birth and I kind of felt for the second my second labor hospital wasn't appropriate because I thought if I'm a fit healthy woman why do I need to go to a hospital so we decided on um, birth care Parnell um, for a natural birth and because it's a birthing center there's no epidurals there's no drugs so I kind of got myself quite early on into the space of, right, and she was very much like, right, we're going to birth care and you're, gonna, you're going in active labour and you're going to push this baby out. And I was like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, yoga and walking was a really important part of that and just kind of staying healthy um, and staying calm. So the pregnancy was going really well. I felt really good. Um, and yeah, it was all going really, really well <laughs> up until <laughs> the uh, 32 week mark. No, 36, 34 week mark was when it kind of all turned to custard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And do you want to take us through what happened then? So I went to my midwife for my usual checkup and she said, Hang on a minute, I'm just going to go and get a colleague. And so she got a colleague and they were doing the palp on my stomach and they were like and they couldn't figure out where he was and we'd found out that it was a boy at that stage we did the same we did our gender reveal and um they couldn't find they couldn't figure out which was the head and which was the bum 
and yeah, it was 34 weeks. And Lyndon said to me, I'm going to send you for a scan because we're not sure if he's breached or not. And I didn't quite know what that meant at the time. And I sort of wasn't too worried. But I went off for my scan to reveal that he was breech. But not only was he breech, he was footling breech. Um, <laughs> and so I was supposed to go to New Plymouth to see my dad, stay with my family before the baby. We were going down as a family to see my dad um, before the baby was born, have like a kind of a last weekend away. And um, the midwife called and said, oh, we've got an appointment for you at North Shore Hospital to have an ECV, which is where they try and turn the baby. She said, we need to get your baby turned around. And she didn't, she was, the midwife was really great because she didn't really, she didn't make a big fuss about it. She's like, we just need to get on to the CCEP. We just need to get on to the ECV and we just need to kind of like get it sorted. So I was like, okay. So it was a Sunday morning and she said to me, look, and I said, oh, can we change it? I'd like to. Um, I'd like to go away. So I said to the midwife, I was like, does it have to be Sunday? Because like I wanted to go away. And she's like, well, to be honest, you've got a footling breach. So if you, if anything was to happen with you driving for like New Plymouth, so North Shore New Plymouth is like a good five hours in the car. Um, without stops, it could be up to six hours. And she said, to be honest, footling breach, you probably shouldn't be traveling. So I was like, okay, then rang my dad, canceled the trip, went to the hospital, um, Got all, got all prepared because um, for some reason I was so sure that the ECV was going to end up in a caesarean and that I was going to go into labour. So I kind of um, went through the whole process of making sure that the hospital bag was packed. Everything I wanted done around the house had to be done so that if I went into labour and had a baby, it was fine. So we went in and had the ECV and <laughs> it was not the most enjoyable pleasant um, experience when they're trying to turn your baby. Um, they gave me the stuff to relax my abdomen. I almost hyperventilated. Um, and the, the no, it's not a register. What's that from the register? Yeah, the consultant. And she was really going for it. And she's like, right, you really have to breathe. So I was focusing through. And she's like, ah, oh, he's not engaged. His like bum and his pelvis are like really, they're really free. And she's like, oh, I'm sure I can get him. Can you come back tomorrow? And I was like, oh, God, okay. So um, my partner decided to go to work the next day. And my best friend who was a midwife, she has been doing fly-in and fly-out in Australia for a while. So she was staying with us at the time. And so she, um, we gave my mum the option to come with me or look after Nixon. And mum decided that she didn't want to be there for the ECV. So Rosie came with me to the ECV. Um, so they did a scan. Um, and that was fine. And they were going to get someone else to do it. But for some reason, the original consultant did So they did the scan. And she said, right, we're going to give you pepidine. And um, this, and because I had decided that I did not want a caesarean at all. Having a toddler and a caesarean, I was just like, nah, no way. I almost went through the caesarean route with the first one. I did not go through that labor to narrowly escape to then have to have one with a second baby. I don't know why, but I'm super anti-cesarean. Um, I think just I think just having a toddler and knowing that you're laid up would just be the worst thing possible and trying to get to know a new baby. So anyway, went, so they really went for it. Like she went for it and she actually managed to move his head. 
um, but he, the heart rate monitor went nuts and so um, they had to put him back, they had to move him back um, and she said to me, she was just like, I don't know what it is about your baby, like he just won't move, like I don't know and so between the midwife and, and the consultant, they decided that he had cord round his neck and that was why he wasn't moving um, and at the time, so I'd been given pethidine and they said to me, actually, he's not a footling. His feet are up now. He's tucked up. So you've got two options. And this son, a little bit drugged up. And I've just had this horrendous ECV because they went for it. Like even Rosie, who's a midwife, was like, oh, like, because I was like gripping the sheets because I was like, this has got to be less painful. And they mm. said, right, you can either have a cesarean. We can book you in for a cesarean or you can try a natural vaginal birth. Um, and my cons the consultant knew my midwife, and she said, your midwife will let you do a vaginal breech birth. I know her, that's what she will do. So um, firstly, I was lucky that I had the option to decide between a vaginal breech and a cesarean, because I had a midwife who was prepared to do it, um, yeah. and also his, he was in the right position. So she said, look, um, you don't have to decide now. Um, you need, so she basically said to me, if you're going to have a vaginal breach, it has to be a fast progressing labour. The baby has to be a certain size. It's hands off. Um, if you decide you want to go that way, we'll get you back in clinic. Um, we have to advise you properly. But she said, go back, talk to your midwife, talk to your husband, talk to your partner, decide what you want to do. And in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, just cut it out. Just cut the baby out. I just, oh, my God. And it was, and then I said to my friend, I was like, what would, what would you do? Because she's a midwife. And she's like, nah, sorry, no way. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I just, I was stunned. I felt so disappointed because I'd worked so hard to look after myself in this pregnancy and then to be have to have a cesarean or for him to be breached, to be in this position, I was just devastated because I'd worked so hard. Um, and so I think well, she had some errands to run, and I was in the car because I couldn't drive because I was loaded on the drugs, and I was just like, oh, I won't think about it now. I just won't think about it. Anyway, so we were in the car. I was waiting for her, and I was like, maybe I'll just try a vagina breach. Maybe I'll just try. I don't know. And so I went home and I talked to Chang about it. And he's like, well, you just do what you want to do. Like, don't even worry about me. Like, if you want a cesarean, do a cesarean. If you want to try, try. Like, he's like, you'll be great, whatever you want to do. So that didn't help because he wasn't advising me. And so we made an appointment to see the midwife a couple of days later. And it was great because first thing she said is if you're going to have a vaginal breach, your body just naturally goes into labor and it does everything. And so that instantly made me feel better because it was like, okay, you either give birth naturally with a breach or you have a cesarean. So that made instantly calmed me down. Um, but it was a real, it was a really tricky time. So we organized for me to go and see um, an acupuncturist. So I did acupuncture. Um, she was lovely. <laughs> she was not optimistic that my baby was going to turn, um, because <laughs> by that stage it was uh, he was thirty five weeks, and she said usually by this stage if they're going to turn, they're going to turn. Um, and so she was great. She actually put me onto a um, meditation for breach, um, 
that I bought and I, she gave me, and I did moxa sticks, which is um, you put it on, there's a point on your toe and you have to sit with this warm moxa stick at your toe for a certain amount of time. And it's all around, um, I don't know, your body rebalancing and stuff. So I did that. Um, my midwife also said to me to go alkaline, alkaline diet. So that wasn't too out of this way for me. Um, but basically it's vegan, which is to me is miserable. <laughs> um, sorry, <laughs> vegan out there. Um, but there was like no dairy, um, no meat, no nothing. But I was like, you know what? I have to give this my best shot because with a toddler, I was like, I just, I just don't want the cesarean. I mean, if I have to have it, I'll have it. Um, so the breech meditation that I got from the acupuncture lady um, was amazing because the one line in it that really stood out to me was, your baby can turn if it wants to. <laughs> and so listening, so every day at 2 o'clock when my, uh, one in the afternoon when Maxim was sleeping, I would meditate. So I would either do my breech meditation or I would do um, the birth meditation from hypnobirthing. Um, and yep. I decide, and, and so after that, I was kind of like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, and so I went to, so I, so I decided that was the route I wanted to take. So at 35 and 5 on the Monday, so my midwife had, had got booked to go to Australia. And she said, look, I, I, I was, I'm pretty sure you're not going to have your baby, but don't worry, um, my partner is here, she's going to go to obstetrician with you at the hospital, she's going to come to your hospital appointment, don't worry about it, it's all good. So we had the hospital appointment with the obstetrician, so it was the same obstetrician that um, tried to turn Finn, and they had a student actually, and the student was like, this is amazing, because you never get to do anything with breach, and so I went in to the doctor, so that was on Monday or Tuesday, and she said to me, right, we need to get you another scan, because we need to find out the position of the baby. We need to know the fluid levels. Um, he's the right weight, so he's the right size for a vaginal breach. Um, she said, your labour has to progress really rapidly. And she gave me all the, all, the th all the things that I had, all the criteria. And she said to me, and she said, I guess the only thing we have to think about is if you go over your due date, she said, we're not going to let you try a natural vaginal birth over your due date so she said if that's your case then we will have to probably book you a cesarean we will have to get you a cesarean so I had to acknowledge with the hospital that I was not taking their advice and that they recommended a cesarean um, yeah. not because it was basically because they didn't have enough data to back up a vaginal delivery with a breech baby because they just don't really happen um, so the midwife um, who was there, she talked to the obstetrician about positions, like kneeling over the bed and um, all that kind of stuff. And then we were talking about also who the obstetricians were going to be on at the hospital. And um, the wonderful obstetrician who turned Nixon happened to be on. They discussed that he was on on Friday. And um, Courtney, who was looking after me at the time, said, look, Friday's a great day. So she is on at the hospital. I'm. I don't really have much on. So you know, if you want to have a baby on Friday, perfect day. Um. And so, having gone to the obstetrician was quite good because it made me realise it was either going to happen naturally or it wasn't, and I had absolutely zero control over the situation. It was either going to be 
a vaginal delivery or it wasn't if it was if it was a and, and I had no control that was the main thing about it there was no control from me like I couldn't make the decision like it was all out of my power it was the body it was my body it was my baby it was just all the other forces it was nothing to do with me per se if that makes sense um so that week I really started focusing on just like labor and giving birth and doing meditations and um and you know just just preparing for birth really was how I kind of did it and I kind of didn't and I forgot I stopped thinking about him as a breech baby and I had stopped thinking about wanting him to turn because initially I was like oh this baby needs to turn like come on you need to turn so we can go to birth care and I can just push you out and it's all going to be great like I'd stopped that and I just kind of accepted whatever will be will be Um, because that's really all you can do in that situation and I'd gone through the grief process already. I'd grieved that I wasn't going to get what I thought I wanted. Um, and I knew I was quite strong in my stance because there's a lot of fear around breech babies as well, um, which every, so many people I talked to were like, oh, just have the cesarean. Like, just don't even worry about it. Like, just have a cesarean. Like, that's the best thing. And we're talking women who have had babies. We're talking women who are educated, intelligent, professional women. Um, And I just, there was just a part of me that just couldn't just give up. I mean, I wasn't giving up, but there was just a part of me that was like, I've got to at least try to give my baby the best birth possible for him. And that was what a vaginal birth for me was about, was about giving him the best start, not about, me was about what was best for him if that makes sense so um so we joked about Friday being the day um and so yeah so Friday so Friday Friday morning at about uh, my partner had been out the night before he'd been at a work schmoozing thing he got home at one and we'd just had a little bit he woke me up I went to bed really early I went to bed and asleep since about nine o'clock so that was good didn't mind that he'd woken me up had a little bit of chat about his night and then he went to sleep and I was lying there and I was like, oh, I think I'm in labour. And this was about about 1.30. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. wasn't really too worried. Had to get up to pee a bit. But I really made sure this time that I did go to sleep and didn't stay up. Um, and I put on a couple of my birthing meditations and just listened to those and dozed. And I made the plan in my head that if I was in labour at 7 o'clock, 7.30, I was going to text my midwife and let her know. Um, so that was fine. So at about 7 a.m., my partner got up, and I had, he we'd talked about that I was going to take him to work. Um, but I said, "Oh, have you got much to do today?" And he said, "Oh, nah, not really. Like it's cool. Like, do you not want to take me into work?" And I was like, "Oh, nah, I'm actually in labour." And he's like, "You're not." And I was like, "Yeah, I am." And he was like, "Next thing, <laughs> he was like out the door, gone to get his car to get to work." <laughs> um, <laughs> and because it had been it took so long with my first baby that I was like oh we've got heaps of time and so text the midwife at 7 30 she's like oh go for a walk have a breakfast have breakfast and I was like mm, no not going for a walk I think that's I think the I think the contractions are a bit strong to go for a walk but I'm gonna just kind of stay at home so I was ironing shirts and doing washing and I had some breakfast and um Nixon was watching cartoons and like it was just and I had the have a contraction and I'd walk around and so the midwife said oh we're going to come over about 9 9 30 
So she had her student with her. Um, so because I was a teacher, I decided that I invited them to um, let the student be part of the whole process um, just because, you know, if you can't learn about these things if you don't participate. Of so course, my midwife yeah. and her, yeah, so my midwife and the student came over on, so this is on Friday morning, came over about nine o'clock and I'm talking to her and the contractions are starting to get stronger and and she, they left about maybe 10, 10.30 and they were like, oh yeah, okay, so you probably need to like call your partner and get him home in the next little while, like maybe think about like organising, um, so Chang, Chang's parents, my mum was in Rarotonga at the time, she was, she said, don't have the baby when I'm away. Um, so she said, oh, kind of organize, you know, maybe start getting organized. Anyway, she left and um, I was sort of crawling around a lot with Ben on the floor during active la- during labor at home, contractions at home. And I sort of was on and I sort of rang him and I was like, um, babe, you need to come home. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. And I was like, no, you need to come home now. Anyway, um, and I was like, oh, you need to get your parents around as well. So this was about 11. All of a sudden, it really ramped up quick. And I called Courtney again and I said, oh, since you left, I haven't actually got up from the floor. And I said, I really feel like I need to poo. And she's like, oh, uh, right, I'm coming, I'm coming back around. So she'd probably only been gone 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And her and the student came back and... Um, she was like, right, yep. So anyway, she got home before Chang did, and she was like, okay. And I was <laughs> parked on one spot on the floor in the lounge, and she was like, okay, I'm just going to have a look to see if there's a head, <laughs> um, because I had that kind of needing to poo. Feel. That's whenever people talk about birth, they talk about the feeling of needing to poo is the feeling that you need to push. And so she and she was like, uh uh-uh. So this was about eleven, and so she comes over. And from then, it becomes quite a blur um, as to what happened because I remember, like, my partner described me as I was mooing. Um, That was the sound I was making. I was (laughs) mooing. Um, My toddler was running around um, (laughs) naked with half-eaten food. He was just... The one day in his life, he was like feral. My partner was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe my child. Um, And the midwife was getting quite stressed out. She's like, your parents need to be here. We have to get to the hospital. Like, we have to go. Um, Because they were were quite worried that it was going to be a home birth. And because I was breached, they were like, no, we've got to get you to the hospital. Um, So (laughs) Chang's parents eventually got here. They put me in the back of the car. And I was kneeling, luckily we live five minutes from North Shore Hospital, and I was kneeling in the back of the car, holding on to the seat, facing the boot, like just screaming the whole, like just crying out the whole time into the hospital. And then, you know, like you pay, in movies and they park out the front and they put you in the wheelchair and they, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm like kneeling and like, Ugh! and I remember him saying, do you want your jandals? And I was like, no, I don't want my jandals. <laughs> Um, and like going up to the delivery and I remember them being like, this is the vaginal breach. The vaginal breach is on the way. Um, and I mean, they got me into the, got me in and it just, everything happened really quickly. Um, and I was kneeling and they were sort of like, we, now the obstetrician wants to examine you. And they were like, oh, I was too far gone. Um, and I remember like, it was just so, cause with a vaginal breach, you can't have any pain relief either. You can't have any 
epidural, like everything has to be completely natural. Um, and I, I get up for it, but you have like a, a natural birth is actually not that pleasant. And there was one point where I'm holding on to the back of the bed in the hospital and I'm thinking to myself, why didn't I have the cesarean? <laughs> I'm so bloody minded. I couldn't say that to my, I couldn't say that because I couldn't admit to anyone. But I was just like, why did I want to do this? And then not long after they were like, okay, now it's time to push. Um, and so it was a completely, it was a very, it was very fast. It was, um, was quite hands off. What well, was hands off? They actually asked me if they could video record it. Um, I haven't seen the video recording, but I'm getting to the point where I could probably watch it. Um, and so I was pushing with the contractions, and I was doing all the stuff I was supposed to. And they were saying, "Right, Sarah, we've just got to get us." And they were like, "Right, his his bums out, his legs out." because um, he was weeing, they were like, he's good, he's fine, and they were like, okay, now push, he just needs his head, now push, and I was like, I can't, there's nothing, and the contractions completely stopped, um, and so they said, okay, we need to get the obstetrician involved, so they flipped me over onto my back, um, and I don't know what, it was all very quick and all very blurred, but the obstetrician did something, and that's what got Finn's head out, um, and they said, I remember them saying to me, now, Sarah, we're bringing in the pa um, pediatric um, nurses. You don't need to be alarmed, but they are for your baby. Um, there's gonna, oh, they said an alarm's going to go off and we're going to get the nurses in, so don't worry. And I was just kind of like, eh, like just the whole labour thing. You, you, you can't even worry about it that, at that point. And um, next thing, he was out, um, and they'd whipped him over, and they were doing all the things that they needed to um, but he did take a little bit longer to respond. But he was all good. He was fine. Yeah, and so he was all checked over and everything was all good? Yeah, he was all checked over. The midwife did come over to me and say, he's actually smaller than we expected him to be. Um, and he may be under a certain weight. And they said because of him being under a certain weight, they may want to admit you into the hospital. But you don't have to yeah. be admitted if you don't want to. So the midwife... Um, was really good because she was all about kind of my rights right and she was sort of like you don't have to she was like you don't have to do anything you don't want to do um so I was really um the midwives are amazing I they had a second midwife as well um I'm not sure where she was but my partner remembers her because she told me to stop effing screaming and push um so they were so good like it was such a different experience for my first baby and I just remember like being just like oh thank god that's over um, yeah, so it was all good, and it turned out I only had one stitch. Um, yeah, yeah, and they said, "Oh, do you, we don't even have to stitch you up." It's just kind of they described it to me as like a split tomato, and that um, you know, like, and they're just like, "Oh, we could stitch it, we don't have to, but it might heal funny." So I was like, "Oh, yeah, just put it in," because I was terrified that because I'd had the episiotomy, I was really worried that I was going to tear and with the natural with. Yeah. So and um, a couple of my really good friends have both had third degree tears as well. So I was terrified of tearing. That was probably my biggest fear during labour. Um, but as it happened, I was really lucky that I only had to have the, the one stitch. Like, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, awesome. And it sounds like you had a just like an amazing mid midwife who was so supportive and empowering of you to make sort of your own decisions and be supported by her so I know that that's something that the listeners will really 
enjoy hearing. So yeah, I think that's a really important part of your story. Oh, I was so lucky to have the midwife that I did, but not only that, her partner, like her partner was like, she was, who actually birthed Finn, she was like, yeah, let's do this. And like, I've never met this woman. She, She came to a hospital appointment with me and they just like backed me 100%. And I just, had I not, had I had a different midwife, my experiences could have been so much different because yeah. they may not have been willing to take on that vaginal breach um, yeah. delivery. Yeah, so I was really fortunate that I had the right midwife um, because, yeah, if you've got – and but it's such a um, – it's such potluck because you don't know if your midwife is going to be able to support you in the way that you need. So, yeah, I was super, super lucky with that. Um, and, yeah, they were just incredible. Actually, they said to me, do you want to go home? So <laughs> Finn arrived at quarter to two in the afternoon. Like, it was, like, my birth could not, like, have been, it couldn't have been any better. Like, I was, I'd had a full night's sleep. Like, I was rested. I hadn't had, like, an extremely long, drawn-out labour. And then they're like, do you want to go home? And I was like, what? No. <laughs> um, so I ended up. So I actually did end up staying in North Shore Hospital um, for the first night just because I kind of wanted to be alone with my baby, with our baby, and just kind of bond and just kind of have a little bit of peace and quiet um, from, you know, the toddler and the chaos of life at home sort of thing. Um, And he latched perfectly. He, like, it was just, it was such an amazing experience. And I just felt like, I could do anything like I couldn't believe that it just all lined up and that I was able to just do it like and not only did I do it it had happened better than I ever could have imagined it to like no tearing during the day like yeah it was just and the right obstetrician as well um, that was again able so the same obstetrician that saved me from the cesarean with Nixon helped me with Finn like this guy is amazing Again, if it had been a different obstetrician, they may not have had the same skills. Um, so just it all just lined up so beautifully, and I'm just so was so grateful. Yeah, awesome. And how have you found the adjustment as a mum to two, and and that jump from yeah one to two children? Um, it's definitely an adjustment. I think um, it's getting used to that new normal. Yeah. Um, we're so lucky that my mum is kind of semi-retired and Chang's parents are retired. So we've had a lot of support. So um, my toddler was able to go out during the day, go on outings, um, goes to kindy a couple of days a week. So I was a mum started taking him to swimming for me. So he was kind of able to get out of the house and have those outings and have that time for himself um, while I was able to kind of bond with the baby and breastfeed. Um, I was much better with the sleep with number two um, yeah. because we'd used the sleep consultant with our first child. I kind of learned all these new skills and things that I could do. And so we had, so I had Finn sleeping um, a lot more. Maybe it's the type of baby he is, I don't know. Um, but yeah, he seemed to sleep better. He was actually jaundiced in the beginning, so he wouldn't feed. Um, so we had to kind of, I had to do a lot of skin to skin with him and he spent a lot of time just on me, which was exhausting. Um, but 
it meant that he gained weight and it meant that he did what he needed to do and we didn't have to have um, any intervention, which was quite yeah. good. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's definitely hard and you definitely, um, I liken it with teaching, I use the metaphor, it's like having different leveled reading groups or maths groups and it's like running running different groups and you have to kind of juggle those different <laughs> groups. Um, but you kind of figure it out and you TV saves your life in the beginning, really. I hate to say it, but, you know, you just do what you can and you just have yeah. to be kind to yourself and realise that you can't do everything and, you know, you, you get there in the end, you know. So, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. It's a juggle, <laughs> but you get there. Yeah, awesome. Well, it sounds like you're doing an amazing job and I just wanted to say a massive thank you, Sarah, to coming for coming on the podcast and sharing your experiences with us. I think you're the first... Uh, planned breach birth that I've had on the podcast so yeah I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and sharing your story. Thank you yeah it was really hard actually um, when I was pregnant with Finn to find resources about positive yeah. breach stories um, yeah. and about people who had had a vaginal delivery or like I sort of searched up different mum groups online and stuff and a lot of people were like oh I had a cesarean it was fine you know and there were no there wasn't really anyone that I could find that was like, you know, we, we plan to have a vaginal and this is what happened or, um, so yeah, so that, I think it's important to have resources to help women so that they can make informed decisions because it's yeah. a really, it's a really hard thing when you've got the hospital, not, not just, you've got the medical profession as well, kind of saying, well, you know, you, you, you could, this is really the way you should be going. Like, I could tell that my obstetrician was really in favour of me trying a vaginal breech birth delivery, but she couldn't outwardly say that because of the hospital and the sure. policies and stuff. Um, and so after I had the baby, she was away and they told her and they she was thrilled that, that I got the birth that I wanted. And there was actually, when I went to the obstetrician, there was a midwife who did all my obs and everything before I saw the doctor. And she was actually in the hospital after I'd had Finn. And she was just like, oh, I'm so thrilled that you got what you wanted. And it was amazing. When I came out of delivery to go down to the wards, my midwife was like, this is my vaginal breach. Yeah. And it was a little bit embarrassing because I just, I didn't realize that it's just not really a thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, if I can do it, anyone can. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I do. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. And I think um, absolutely agree that it's important we have resources out there where women can hear all different types of stories and, and then make informed decisions themselves. So thank you very much for joining me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack. 
for free shipping and 365-day returns.